For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV to get started. That is B-L-E-A-V to get started, and that is all capital letters. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top at Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, at Thunder Chats. And, you know, based off of many percentages of if these guys were going to be on there, um, the percentages were in our favor today. So, first off, we are joined by Alex, my guy that has been with me in almost every podcast, um, uh, at least this year, going back to last year. The steady force, Alex Roy. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Here to here to be the steady force once again. Yes, sir. Strong and steady. All right. Next, we got Maddie Moles, who, you know, we're talking – this is a basketball pod, but Maddie Moles has been living that life uh, when it comes to his football team, the Denver Broncos, in this last month. So, Maddie Moles, how are you, sir? Football-wise, I'm, I'm doing great. Basketball-wise, I'm, uh, I'm very sad. I'm a sad panda right now. <laughs> Looking to drink many beers tonight. Oh man, no, no old fashioned, you know, straight beers, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I want to, I want to feel the pain, so I want to feel as heavy <laughs> as this, as this wind should feel for us. I want to feel that in my gut. So there you go. All right, I like it. All right, and last but certainly not least, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, the underscore three cone Connor. What is up, dude? Not much. Um, just chilling. I'm going to be honest, not super bothered by the Thunder game tonight, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. So I'll leave it for that. Uh, for sure, man. You know, and, uh, you know, we're not going to bury the lead. The Thunder played a basketball game that had varying levels of importance and not importance in the way that, you know, if you win a basketball game, it's important for your team. But in the landscape of, tanking rebuilding whatever makes you feel better about it and tonight the thunder in that aspect in in the landscape of the take of the tank uh kind of fumbled the bag a little bit uh 118 to 102 they defeated the orlando magic um especially her after the opportunity that we had with the magic beating the warriors last night and the pistons um, coming back and winning, uh, who'd they play? Oh, they beat the Hawks tonight by 21 points. So if the Thunder would have lost tonight, we would have been tied for the number two odds <laughs> in the reverse standings for Tankathon. So it hurts a little bit extra, you know, and, and I was talking to the guys before we start, you know, we usually do single large item when we're covering games, but tonight was kind of just an abomination. And I don't think it needs to be covered in that type of way. Um, we're just going to – I think I'm going to relabel it. You know, we're just going to talk about what went wrong in terms of, you know, like I said, the landscape of the tank. So, uh, I, I'm going to get started here just because, you know, I kind of made it up right here off the top of my head and what went wrong in terms of the tank. And uh, 
that guy save the aforementioned piece for the next segment, please. But I'm going to start with um, Jerry Stevens, Champagne Jerry's favorite player on the team, Taylor Maladon, coming out of nowhere off the bench, played 32 minutes, shot nine of 13, two of four from deep, had 25 points, six assists, and four rebounds. Now, guys, I, I, I don't know you if you've known this, but uh, Taylor Maladone has kind of been struggling this year. Um, I can almost guarantee you, I'm looking up his stats right now, I can almost guarantee you he hasn't put up 25 points all year this year. And I, I don't even uh, – well, let me see here. I'm trying to see how recent it was since he put up double digits. Okay, well, that sucks. He put up 10 points about a couple games ago. But before that, his last – Six games before tonight, 3, 10, 4, 8, 6, 9. Uh, he hasn't been putting up consistent numbers. And tonight, on the night of, you know, the importance of the tank, uh, he came in, he dropped 25 points. And it was just like, you know, it, it gave me shades of last year in the Clippers game when Poku, after playing just awfully the last, like, month of the season, decided to come in and drop a cool 30 on the Clippers' heads. Um, you know, hit, hitting efficiently, shooting the three. So, yeah, Teo is what went wrong for me tonight. Um, does anybody have anything else to say about Teo before I move on to you all? I mean, it would be freaking Teo as much as we uh, mm-hmm. talked about him negatively throughout the year. You know, it's it's like he's sticking it to us just because we have been talking about him. So, you know, I mean, hey, you know, props like – this game was basically a glorified G League game, you know, <laughs> it felt like. And, you know, for, you know, whenever he went last to the G League, he was kind of killing the G League. So this felt like a game, the environment of it felt like a game that he would kill. Um, and, and so he did. So you know, that's, all. that's all I got to say about Teo. <laughs> Dang it, Teo. Uh, what, what, what do you guys say about Teo? Um, good game from him. I'm like, like Alex said, it was, this was a very weird game. It was very clear that both teams weren't trying, especially in that fourth quarter when Trey man didn't play the magic. Um, I think though, I think the plus minuses is one of my favorite part of this game. If you look at the magic starters, um, Chuma Okiki plus 10, Franz Wagner plus 20, plus 15 for Mobamba, plus five for Cole Anthony. And then you look at their bench, uh, Ignis Brasdakis was a minus 39 in a 16 point loss. Um, oh. Mo Wagner minus 31, Admiral Schofield minus 26. Uh, so honestly, I don't even think like the Thunder did anything wrong in terms of tanking this game. Like they took Trey Man out at the end. Like they were, we were just playing bench guys. It was just. The magic, the magic wanted it more um, with with the tank, and they just have worse players, to be honest. So, like, we, I don't, I don't really know what to say. It was just kind of like one of those games. Like Ignace Brasdakis is one of the worst players I've ever watched, and I know who he is. Um, but he was out there, one of the greatest tank commanders I've ever seen on a basketball court in tonight's game. It, uh, it was, it, it, it felt like. You know, last year the Clippers had one Daniel Turo. It felt like, like freaking Orlando had five Daniel Turos out there. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm gonna be honest. It was just a generational tank performance from the Magic. Like I can't even, I can't even be mad about it. That's that's part of why I'm not so mad. It's because it's not like the Thunder went out there and like had all these chances to lose. Like the Magic were just so clearly trying to like get this loss um, with the guys they put out there at the end which not that we weren't doing that because we were clearly not putting like Trey man in and stuff like that but like Teo was just by far the best player out there on the court um or he would have been the best player on that magic team that was out there on the court um Christ he had his first double double like guys they were just kind of hoping tonight like there's not much I can really say the magic just kind of wanted to tank more I think yeah you, you can see the desperation you know like I said where they <clears throat> were, were they Fumbled into a victory over the Warriors the night before. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, like we were talking about, they, we, we was creeping up on them. And if they lost tonight specifically to us, then we was going to leapfrog them in the reverse standing. So uh, they played with that desperation. And you're right. Like, I mean, their bench was just god awful. I mean, Admiral Schofield, who is a, uh, 
I guess you could say is a Thunder legend. <laughs> Thunder legend, absolutely. Uh, you know, Mo Wagner, uh, Ignis Bradakis, like you're saying, and then uh, who, who's that? Jay Doughton? Was he a ten day guy? Yes, sir, a ten day guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Thunder needed to holler at him for a ten day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, they was missing Robin Lopez, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter Jr. Like they they were missing a slew of players as well, um, and you know I mean obviously the Thunder was too, but um, the Thunder looked a little bit more like a basketball team, and these guys seem to have played a, together a little bit more than the guys on the Magic. So yeah, it's 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 pretty annoying, but you know well. Well, well, we'll get to some more positive things here in a little bit. But first, I got to go to Maddie Moles. Maddie Moles, what, what do you think went wrong for for you specifically? Uh, the end of both halves, specifically that second quarter, uh, there was a 20-2 to two run. The Thunder went on, and the Magic couldn't – the Magic could barely even hit the rim, much less make a shot. And it was that 25-2. They got the 25-2. Oh and they went over six minutes without – making a shot and I it was just like dang like can the magic do anything right and of course sitting in this position as gross as it feels wanting the magic to you know carry over what they did last night it was super frustrating to see every shot come up short or be long and the thunder were playing some type of a weird zone uh, a lot of the, the game and it was just like man the magic had no answer for it and they weren't able to shoot them out of it so Really, really frustrating there. And then we thought in this in the second half, the Magic had a chance to come back, and then the Thunder go on that run, specifically led by Mr. Teo Maladon. So, very, very frustrating, and a lot of uh, a lot of regards there to end both halves. Yeah, uh, whenever uh, Thunder Communications tweeted out about that run, um, that you know, I, I tweeted it out, and I was like, Adam Silver needs to step in immediately. You know just being facetious because these are things that, you know, people say about our team. And somebody said, well, why would you want him to step in? I was like, because of this egregious tanking, like this cannot stand. And like, there was people like actually getting mad at me in my mentions because, you know, I was obviously joking by saying, (laughs) saying things that people say about our team all the time, but yeah, man. I mean, 25 to two run. It sucked too, because like the magic came out on fire in the first quarter. Like I was like, I tweeted about it, you know, I was joking, but, you know, I said a couple of times, like specifically when Wagner shot it and Okiki, like, you know, they pulled up from three. I was like, knocked down. And then, of course, it went in. And so, you know, I tweeted about it, but, like, th- they were going crazy. Like, you know, Okiki was hitting, Wagner was hitting. I think Cole Anthony hit a three. RJ Hampton hit a three. Like, they was they came out, like, guns blazing in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, slow but surely, we, we closed the deficit, though. Um, Alex, I'm going to finish off with you on this negativity run here, and then we'll jump into some more positive talk. Uh, what went wrong for you tonight? Um, what went wrong was that, you know, we're actually paying Schofield $300,000 this year. That's um, to, so he basically, you know, he basically, he was, he was like, you know, watching a movie like Fury or something like that, or those old World War II movies where like that person just kind of slides underneath the tank and just puts like a bomb up there and just kind of blows it up. It's basically what Schofield did. Like he, you know, he, we're paying him to do that. Like that, that part sucks. So that's, that's about all I could really, that's all about all. That's all all I should say about this shitty ass game. Yep. He's, he's the tank admiral. Um, Yeah. yeah, He's like the double agent. Like he's supposed to be working for us. Like we're paying you to do this job. And then, yeah, no screwing us over all right well hey you know getting into more positive talk um you know there was somebody that we specifically left out of this conversation that was trey man who you know once again showed flashes of brilliance tonight 21 points on 7 of 12 shooting three or six from deep four or four from the stripe and you know he was he was getting to his spots uh early on he was making just some ridiculous step back jumpers and you know this is following up his 35 point performance um the game prior against the Boston Celtics in which he hit like seven straight threes. Like, I mean, he was just absolutely insane. And so I'm going to bring this up, you know, it's positive, but also negative. It's positive for the long term, negative for the short term. Um, but 
you know, we didn't talk about this. They sat. They decided to sit Shea Gildas Alexander going into the game because this war ankle is day to day. Um, everybody thinks that Shea's probably going to sit in games like these against like the Magic and the Trailblazers and you know the Kings and stuff like that. And he's going to play against like the Nuggets and the Clippers and the Lakers. So there's that. But is Trey Mann too good to tank at this point? Like you know he struggled very early on in the year, but here in this back half of the season, he's really started to find his stride, specifically as a scorer, getting buckets against a variety of defenders. Like, Derek White's not a slouch on the defensive end. I'd say he's above average defender. He's one of the best guard defenders um, in the league, like, at the top of his game. And Trey Mann was just doing whatever he wanted on him against the Celtics. Um, you know, I, I don't even really have anybody to, you know, throw in as an example on the Magic. But, I mean, Trey Mann was just having his way. So, I, I'm going to kind of kick it out to you guys. Um, you know, what, what do you think about Trey Mann? Do you think that he's going to make – this, you know, this last what? What do we have? Like 13, 12, 9, nine games. Left. Nine games. I, think we have nine, I, I think we have nine or eight left. Yeah, we have yeah, nine we have games. Nine. So, this last nine games, you think Trey Mann is going to make it a little bit more difficult than we thought it would be? So, the thing that I, the thing that I have over these last two or three games that I've loved about Trey Mann is that when he gets going – he wants the ball. He calls for the ball. You know, a lot of rookies, they tend to they tend to shy away from actually calling for the ball, especially like, you know, the, your top picks, you know, your top five picks. They, the, you know, they usually have the, the, the carte blanche to go ahead and, and ask for the ball. But a number 18 pick, you know, he doesn't usually have that, you know, that, that I guess, chutzpah to go ahead and ask for the ball. Um, but when he was feeling it yesterday, he was like, give me the damn ball and I'm going to go score every time in the second quarter. And today, what I loved about today's game is the fact that he just kind of let the game come to him. You know, it wasn't a fact of, okay, you know, I'm probably the best player out here on the floor. Let me go ahead and take, take every shot that's available to me. No, he played very controlled today. Um, you know, he still put up, I think it was 21 points on good efficiency, mm-hmm. like, that is the mark to me of a player that can sustain the way he's playing for a good chunk of his career. And it's incredible seeing it so early on in his career. Um, so, you know, a lot, of these, a lot of these things that we're seeing now are, are very, you know, very much positives um, for the Thunder moving forward as far as the players they got at 18. Yep. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the in terms of the tank, I don't think Trey Mann necessarily is going to be kind of like the guy that make or breaks a lot of these nights in terms of like trying to get that top draft pick. But he's just, I mean, he has been so damn good. Um, like against the Celtics, like you were talking about, um, it's like seven for seven from three and a half is ridiculous. Um, there's only been one rookie who has scored twenty plus points in a single quarter this season, and it's been Trey Mann twice. At this point, um, it's it's insane what he's been doing. And he's really like the fact that we have him, Shea, Gideon Dort as guards to like build around with like Gideon Dort could kind of play the three because Gideon's taller, Dort's bigger. Like having those guys to kind of build around is so good as like this being like our first like real year of like kind of getting the dividends from the rebuild um, with getting Trey and Giddy in that same draft. So um, it's just cool to see the way that he's playing. I don't think he's going to necessarily make or break the tank right now, but like he's been one of my favorite parts of this entire season, the way that he has gone from like, cause like coming into the year, it was like, Oh, maybe this Trey man guy could be like our six man, like of the future going forward. But like, Trey has potential to be so much more than just like a six man bench score from the stuff that he's seen. I don't think there's anyone in the league right now who creates as much space on their step back three as he does like period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go down as much as some other guys, but in terms of just space creation, like I think he's number one. So it's, it's been cool to see. And there've been a lot of people I've noticed that have been kind of like noticing his name. Cause he does make a lot of like highlight plays yeah. and things like the Celtics game. So that's been nice because I feel like that'll take some of that whole like, oh, like Thunder Black Eye of the league type stuff off of our plate, even though we have been losing a ton. Because uh, at least we've got some fun moments, you know, so. 
Yep, I'm with it, man. Uh, Moles, do you have anything else to add to trade man here, man? Man, 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 yeah. man, man. <laughs> man. Um, I, I uh, responded to a tweet, what do you want to see the Thunder do or what do you want to see from the Thunder for the rest of the season uh, on this side of the All-Star break? And my response was, Trey Man to shoot as many threes as humanly possible. <laughs> it seems as though that's really come to fruition in his last four games, um, working from tonight backwards. Six, uh, six shots were threes out of 12 total, 12 out of 21, 11 out of 19, and 11 out of 19. So more than half of his shots in each of the last four games have uh, been from three and he's getting a lot of volume. He's not super efficient always, like that Orlando game that we played, um, you know, just a couple of days ago on Sunday, he was five of 19 and three of 11 from behind the arc, only 13 points, not efficient. We lost the game. Problem is the dude can get hot <laughs> and he can, he can really take over a game as we've seen, um, you know, with both of his 20 point quarters in this season. So, Yes, I think in spurts against bad teams, he can hurt our tank, um, especially if, you know, we're not going to be um, – if Shea's going to be on the floor with him, especially, is, is what I'm, I'm mm -hmm. trying to say. So he could definitely be that piece that puts us over the top in some of these games for sure. But, like, for his development, it's hard to take him off the floor. I just I, – I think tonight – worked out for him well if it wasn't for Teo and really really bad shooting for Orlando we might have been able to get away with this 21 point night because he was pretty much perfect I mean mm -hmm. yes seven of 12 but three of six from three you can't expect better than that 100% from free throw you know 21 points very efficient and he only played in 29 minutes when you consider you know he's, he's gotten over 30 a lot lately so man uh is too good to tank in certain situations but maybe he he hit some inefficient spots there's still nine games left he can maybe he he starts playing like the four or five games before this most recent stretch and then it doesn't matter as much hits a late season rookie wall or something like that um yeah man you know talking about that stretch that you that uh you just mentioned um i, I pulled it up here uh, so he missed the minnesota game on March 9th, and he played the next seven games, including tonight. Now, this isn't including tonight because, you know, basketball reference doesn't put up the stats until the next day. But um, his last six games, not including tonight, he shot 43.1% from three. Now, tonight he shot 50% from three, so that's just going to go up. But, like, dude's just been on an absolute shooting tear. And, you know, I've uh, – you know – I was listening to some of our old pods, um, you know, just because, like, when you're driving, man, you have these long drives, like, you exhaust your podcast very quickly. So, you know, I dive back in the archives to see how good or bad our takes were. And there's there's plenty of both. But uh, one of the ones that uh, early on in the season is I was very high on Trey Mann going into the season, not so much coming out of the draft because, you know, as we all said, like, you know, we felt like a reach at the time. Um, but I thought that he was going to, you know, take Teo's minutes from last year. And I think Jerry was like, you know, you're insane. Like over Teo, like Teo was great last year. But I was like, no, I mean, his shot making, his ability to create space, like, you know, just all the um, all the potential that he has as a scorer, you know, I, I just see him, you know, being more of a priority. And I looked crazy there early on because – Trey Mann didn't look like he belonged on the NBA floor uh, specifically defensively, and his shot wasn't falling. It took him a long time to get accustomed to the game offensively, but uh, he, just like Poker did last year, he had that little stint in the G League, and he came back, and he started playing a lot more confidently, started, uh, you know, walk in defensively. Still, you know, goes to sleep in spurts, but, you know, he's a rookie. That's to be expected. But offensively, man, he's locked in, and it doesn't matter who's in front of him. Uh, he, he's doing an on-ball. He's doing an off-ball. I mean, in – I think that he's going to be awesome, man. Like, I can't wait to see him continue to grow. And something I thought about, um, you know, when he really started to come on after G League, 
he wasn't really doing so with his shot as much as he was with his athleticism. You know, I don't know if you guys remember, like, he had two crazy dunks. Um, like, he put uh, – who was it? Was it Bazemore that he dunked on on the Lakers? Or the Lakers, Bradley? yeah. Like yeah, it he, might have been LeBron. LeBron might have been in there too. Yeah, he dunked on somebody in the Lakers and then might have been the Knicks, the Raptors, or something. But yeah, he had two crazy dunks like in the span of a I think week. it was I think it was Wayne Ellington on the Lakers. And ah, I think it okay. was I think it was Garrett Temple against the Pelicans. I think there those were go. the two. All right. You know what, Count? I trust you because you are the NBA connoisseur. So um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I remember ele- elephant mind here, man. <laughs> Yeah, I remember he used his athleticism more there, and, you know, he's been relying more on a shot here recently. But, like, when he can really start to combine both elements of his game offensively, he's going to be a problem. And I'm just excited to, that he's on our team and can't wait to see him grow some more. So, um, what, I, what I'm excited about is I'm excited that defenses, like especially in games where Shea's going to be out, which I think that's going to be kind of like a – one game on, one game off, one game on, one game off type thing for Shea. What I'm excited about is whenever a defense keys in on Trey, how is he going to handle that? Because we've kind of seen that throughout this season. You know, if we're being 100% honest, our best two players are SGA and Giddy. And we've seen stretches where when one of them sits, the defense keys in on the other one. Um, and, you know, they have to figure it out. And, you know, over over the second half of the season, whenever SGA has sat, Giddy has figured out how to affect the game very positively. He, you know, he had that stretch of triple doubles whenever SGA was out. Um, and then after the All-Star break, whenever Giddy sat and SGA played, you know, he's had that string of 30-point games. He's averaging, you know, 28 points per game since, you know, the All-Star break. And so now I want to see how Trey reacts to be in the focal point of the defense whenever Shea sits. And that's probably going to be the next level of his development is, hey, whenever a defense is keying in on you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do to affect the game offensively? What are you going to do whenever you are you are the team's offense, basically? Um, and so this, is, this will be a great thing for his development, I think. What – what do we think really? I mean, I keep coming back to CJ McCollum as a, a possible ceiling for him. If he gets the opportunity to have that type of volume, I'm, I don't I, know about on a competitive team if he will, yeah. but that, I mean, they're both six, three. He's obviously a lot lighter than what McCollum plays that, but it feels very similar. I've been, I've been consistent on the Anthony Simons comparison, uh, just the way that he's able to get his buckets, his handle, you know, his, ex, his explosive athleticism at his size and his build. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of similarities in there. And honestly, you know, Trey Mann went to school for two years. Anthony Simon came straight from IMG Academy into the draft. Like, And Trey Mann's having a much better rookie season than Anthony Simons did. Granted, Two different situations. Trey Mann's on a rebuilding team. Anthony Simons was kind of on like a perennial Western Conference contender. Um, but you you could even argue Trey Mann is ahead of Anthony Simons at this point in his career in, in their careers. So um he could surpass him as a player for all we know. Like I I mean, it's not crazy to think about, but in terms of like a player archetype, I mean, I I feel like you know. CJ is like a lot more smooth with this game. And, you know, Trey is smooth as a step back and creating space. But, you know, there, there's a lot of herky jerky in his dribble and like his attack to the basket. Like CJ is just like, honestly, he's one of like the smoothest players in the NBA when he's healthy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, either way, am, you know, you am, can't I, go wrong. am I crazy? Am I, am I crazy in thinking like he could be like a, like a, not poor man's, but like a middle class version of a player who is CJ McCollum and Steph Curry combined. Like I know that goes way, you know, I know that goes way up. But if you think about, like I, I've, I've seen flashes of the Trey Man's ability to have the ball on a string and just make passes, no look passes out of nowhere over the past couple games. It's starting to show itself. You know, whenever the defense is starting to key in on him offensively, you know, how does that open up 
avenues for other players to cut to the basket and for him to find them. Um, and so, you know, one of the things about Curry is Curry knows that the gravity that he pulls um, in the game allows him to find players for easier baskets, you know, cutting to the rim uh, or on, you know, corner threes, whatever. Um, and so, you know, his man's ability to affect the game with his gravity now, is it going to start to become a, a thing where he's able to playmake also? And so you, you start to add in playmaking and shot making you start to have a, a real good player. You start to have somebody that affects the game immensely. Yep. All right. We, we got to go to the NBA console right here, man. The man that watches every, every game, knows all the players, probably <laughs> dominates Pirtle, first guess every game. Come, what is your definitive player comp? One thing I want to say real quick about the Pirtle thing, I guess the same player every time. And last night it was the player that I guess every time. I don't want to spoil it for y'all if you were going to play it at all. Um, but the guy that I guess every time I it mean, was him they last night. Yeah, they, I was gonna say it'll be tomorrow. It tomorrow. Okay. Oh, I, I was talking about y'all. I was talking about y'all. No, uh, well, I, I don't know. I already played. Okay, I I guess I guess Poku first every time, and it, last night it was him, and I was like, oh, I'll just do Dort for fun this time, and it was Poku, and it was the sa- it, it was the saddest moment of my life. Anyways, <laughs> for me, the guy that I always come back to with Trey is Dame. Not saying he can be Dame, but he reminds me a lot of Dame's game. Um, that like step back, like quick, like kind of sneaky athleticism type game from Damian Lillard. I just see a lot of that with him. I don't, it's funny that we all named kind of like Blazers, former yeah. Blazers in this whole like exercise. But for me, it's like his ceiling is like a Damian Lillard type. Like if he hit his absolute peak, Damian Lillard, maybe not quite to Dame, you know, but that type of player. Um but I think he could be like a Dame Light where he's like this, like he's a solid facilitator. He's this great, like even like phenomenal shot creator. Um, you know, maybe someday sends home a team at with a bad shot, waves him goodbye, oh, something like man. that. Maybe something like that that starts a rebuild that then has four guys making a podcast about like losing game to the magic, whatever. Maybe, you know, in some weird timeline, something like that happens someday. But I just, I like that shot creation kind of like archetype that Damian Lillard has for train band that's kind of what i see there i like it i like that we took all uh blazers or former blazers guards there that was that was a fun exercise it reminds me of terry porter you killed me yeah <laughs> uh all right well hey we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know we talked about a little bit about like you know, the games that Shay's probably going to rest and play and, you know, just the rest of our schedule. And I, I think we could talk about all of it since it's only nine games. Um, but first, we're going to do – before we do that and before you just hear Alex's voice abruptly out of nowhere with no introduction or explanation because I forgot to put a, a lead into the advertisement, is a word from our sponsors. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com dot com slash believe these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens take ownership of your health all right back from the word of our sponsors so guys um as i just found out um with talking to you guys we have nine games left in this season kind of crazy to me 
can't lie. Um, so as we mentioned, we played the Magic tonight. Tom, not tomorrow, next game. Uh, so Saturday we play the Denver Nuggets at Denver. Uh, then we go to Portland on Monday, and then we're back at OKC and we play the Hawks. And then we're into April, and uh, the Pistons come to town on that Friday. That Sunday, we play the Suns. Then the Trailblazers after that. Then we play Utah, Lakers, and Clippers all on the road to close out the season. Now, that is nine games. Um, Famously, after tonight's win, we have now won 21 games. I believe the over and under was 23 at the beginning of the season. Is that right? Anybody know? Yeah, okay. That sounds see, right, yeah. Yeah, see some nods, got some approval. We like it. All right. So, um, guys, you know, nine games, Like, you know, it, it feels like every other game is like it, it's a good – it's like a playoff team and then a tankathon team, a playoff team and a tankathon team. So, uh, I, yeah, let, let's just sound out about it, man. I mean, what, what do you – what is y'all's predictions? How many more games do you think we win in this final stretch? I don't know. It's like this NBA season has been like this Thunder season in particular has been so weird um, in terms of like, like winning and losing. Like you've got Shea having all these big 30 point games and we're not getting wins, but we got like more wins earlier in the season when we were all healthy, but Shea wasn't playing as well. Um, In terms of like game, like we should theoretically, the only games we should win are against like, the Pistons, maybe one of the two against the Blazers. Those are the games that really like could de- could like shift how things go because mm-hmm. um, the Blazers are currently running out uh, right now. They're down uh, thirty six to the Spurs in the third quarter. Yeah, uh, ran out of starting lineup today of Chris Dunn, uh, C.J. Ellaby, Justice Winslow, Trendon Watford, and Drew Eubanks. Um, <laughs> so that's a little worrying if Shea plays one or both of those games. Um, not saying they'll catch us in the standings or anything like that, but just, you know, for the sake of keeping up with the Magic and Pistons, mm-hmm. I think that Pistons game is going to be huge. Uh, the Pistons have been playing, like, pretty well recently. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, they beat the Hawks uh, today by a pretty decent margin. And there are some beatable teams for the Pistons on their schedule. Of course, there's us. There's the Wizards who have really struggled recently. Uh, they've got the Knicks, uh, the Pacers. So I could see the Pistons winning a few games. For me, I think I'm going to go with that. We end up third. I think I think we don't. I don't think we can catch the Rockets at this point or the Magic, uh, even though they're right there and they could. I haven't taken a look at their schedule, but mm-hmm. I think we're just going to win a couple games to finish out the season. We're at what 21 wins now. I think we finish yeah. at like 23, 24. Um, and the Pistons end up like right there with us. So I think we'll end up either tied with the Pistons for three or once again, heading into the off season in that like kind of four spot. Oh, Lord. I don't want that to happen again. We had such good luck last time. Um, no coin flips. No coin flips this time. Yeah. Uh, manuals what about you, man? I see us winning two more games. Um, we're probably going to beat Detroit, even though it seems as though they're actively trying to win some games. They're trying to build some momentum into next year. Cade's been playing really, really solid basketball lately. So, um, I, but I do think that we get a win on April Fool's day, which will be really cute. And then I think we beat Portland, one of those, one of those two. So I've got us at 23 wins, which, you know, Vegas has, has us right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they freaking do it, but that's, that's kind of what I see. The thing I'm really, really concerned about is um, that trip out West at LA Lakers at LA Clippers to finish the season depending on where those those teams are, they may actually be resting guys getting ready for the play-in as they're both slated to be in the play-in right now. So very, very interesting to see kind of what happens there, especially with that jumbled mess that's right ahead of the Clippers in the standings. So. Yeah, I, I feel like the Lakers specifically, like, you know, they've, I mean, I don't uh, – they, they haven't started playing yet, have they? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, they are playing. They're down or not nine right now, so the Sixers, but LeBron isn't playing. Um, I, I think that they've started playing a little bit better in this recent stretch. And, you know, theoretically, maybe Anthony Davis is back towards the end of the season. And, you know, they're trying to 
you know, kind of work out uh, their rotations and try to, you know, build momentum going into the postseason, the playing game, so they can try to make a run. So I don't really – I'm not worried about the Lakers game. I know we we tend to play them tough, specifically Shea. Shea has signature games against the Lakers, seems like, every time we play them. But I'm not super worried about them. The Clippers is interesting because we – you know, there's been reports that Paul George has returned to practice. Um, there's reports that Kawhi, you know, Kawhi still hasn't ruled himself out. Like, you know, there's no telling what's going to happen with the Clippers. Um, and, yeah, man, I mean, Cone, like you were saying with the Trailblazers, man, like they're they're throwing out us in the starting lineup right now. And, I mean, you know, who was it they beat the other night? They beat um, – God, they beat some. Oh, I think they beat the Pistons. Or I don't know. They beat some. Oh, sorry, I, they beat the Pistons. I muted. I actually muted myself instead of unmuting myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Cool. I, I thought so. I, I I just couldn't think of it or pull it up fast enough. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're they're still NBA players. Like you know, it's the NBA. You know, it doesn't matter who's out there. Anybody can get hot, and they can they can win tonight. But I mean. Playing them twice is going to be really tough. Uh, I I think that I'm going to – I think I'm also going to go with 23 wins. I think we'll win a couple more. And, you know, not to steal from you guys, but, you know, those games, I think the the Pistons game <clears> – actually, I'm, I'm going to go different. I'm going to say that we, uh, we lose that Pistons game. And I'm going to say, obviously, we lose one of those Blazers games. And – I'm going to say we beat the Hawks. That's going to be my prediction. Shea's going to play. He's going to outplay Trey Young, and it's going to push my agenda that Shea's better than Trey Young. So there you go. Personal agendas are better than the rest. That's all Absolutely. you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to have it, man. So yeah, I mean, either way, you know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, White Cone was saying it's been a really weird season. Like, there was times early on like it wasn't fun at all because, you know, like like at, at the beginning, Shea was like going nuclear, you know, Giddy was showing flashes and like it, it was a great time. And then we hit the slump, you know, Shea's slump. Uh, Giddy kind of hit a rookie wall there for a little bit and it wasn't a lot of fun. But, you know, the last couple months, it's been fun getting to watch, you know, like we talked about earlier, Trey Mann. Josh Giddy and his triple-double streak. Shea coming out of All-Star break, just absolutely guns blazing. Poku and Baisley remembering how to play basketball in this in this back half of the season. Like, so it, it's it's been a wild ride. And, you know, nine games left, it's, it's, it's bittersweet that it's going to come to an end. And, you know, then our focus is going to be solely on the lottery, solely on the draft. We're going to have all the draft experts on the podcast evaluating – you know, who's the best fit, who will be around there in our picks and all that stuff. But, yeah, you know, even with nine games left, uh, even with us throwing out lineups like we did tonight, like I just want to, you know, kind of mention the Thunder fans. Just try to enjoy this time, man, because, you know, Thunder basketball special. Like I I really love watching Thunder basketball. I love watching our guys play. And, you know, like the old saying goes, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, you know, obviously they'll be back after the offseason. But, um, you know, once the offseason hits and the draft's over and you've got that, you know, kind of offseason layover of, like, no basketball, it sucks. So enjoy it while we got it. Yeah, I'm not ready for this whole thing. I know it's been a weird year, but I'm really not ready for uh, to go a bunch of months without Thunder basketball. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts sure man well guys um you know kind of mentioned a little bit the draft um we're not going to talk too much about march madness because you know who, who cares about march madness it's insignificant in the grand scheme of things um but you know after the first week uh, sounds day, hold on hold on that sounds like a, a guy who roots for a team that uh severely underwhelmed is yeah. that the case at all well, I is, would. Is there would, a little salt coming from Kentucky? I would say that I, I'm licking my wounds, but there's not enough proverbial saliva to lick the wounds of losing to a 15 seed team in the first round of the tournament. So 
we're just going to move on here. And uh, congrats to uh, to Doug Eater on his Buffalo Wild Wings uh, NIL deal. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, like I said, first week of games. Um, I just wanted to talk to you guys real quick, you know, as we close out the podcast. You know, it's been pretty consensus between all of us that are in some shape or form. Our top three prospects are Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, and Pella Bencaro. And Alex had to get off here, but he actually brought this up because he said that, you know, after the first week of games, he thinks that he has Jabari toward the bottom. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about it. Uh, Moles, I'm going to go to you first. Um, I'm just going to ask you, um, what was your rank before this week of games, like going into the tournament, and what's your rank right now in terms of your top three prospects? I had Chet, then I had Jabari, then I had uh, Palo, and then I had uh, Ivy, with Ivy having a chance to, to overtake him. Um, nothing has changed on that front. Yeah, I, I still have the, those guys in that same order, but Ivy is a lot of fun, man. I know we've got a lot of guards. I know we've got a lot of uh, talent in our backcourt, but uh, if if we had the fourth pick and he was there, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And down to Dunk even talks about it um, today. Like, you know, even if you get Ivy, you draft Ivy and the fit doesn't work, like you have something to work with. Like you could get something for – ivy or giddy or whoever like you know it is that you want to trade in order to make it fit like you could get something of value for it so you know it's not a wasted pick and you know like you said like the, sh- the shock value and the entertainment value is would definitely be there with jade and ivy on the team but uh comb let's go to you man what's uh what was your top three going in and what's your top three now did it change at all um not really uh it's always kind of been for me chet number one and then paolo and jabari like kind of the the two way to be like back and forth. And I think it's still kind of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I still do think Chet is the number one for me. Um, Paolo has been playing great. I really like what I've seen from him. A L- little worried about Jabari um, just cause he's not really good at getting to the basket. And that worries me that if his shots not falling, he beca- he became pretty ineffective. Um, it just, is just one tournament game. He has been phenomenal over the course of a whole season, but this has kind of been something I've been a little worried about. Um, so to me, he feels like very like, like the other two guys, like I think Chet and Paolo can both be very impactful, even if they don't really pan out the way that they could, they don't reach their ceilings. I think they both still could be pretty impactful players, but Jabari kind of worries me that like his floor is just like a normal three and D guy in the NBA. Um, so I think he's got a really, really high ceiling, but that floor definitely worries me, especially when you're picking with a number one overall pick. Like, I think I, I'd take a Chet or a Palo before Jabari at this point. So I think those are my guys. Uh, like Maddie said, I love Jay Nivey. Um, I wish we did. <laughs> it's a shame we have so many guards. Um, we could try putting him on Poku's shoulders. I'm not sure if there's something <laughs> in the rule book about that, but that's what I've been thinking about. Um, so anyways, it's just, Ivy's a lot of fun, but we do have kind of guards. I really don't think it would work out if we get Ivy. We, I think we've got to trade like Dort or something like that, and I, that would break my heart. I don't want to see that. Um, so I, Ivy's probably there at like the four spot, but I think those three guys are pretty solidified for me as the top three. Jabari just kind of. I know you're talking about Alex, like Jabari. He was saying that Jabari slid a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. He he just kind of worries me a little bit. Yep, and. I get that. Like, you know, it's it's no fun whenever you see, like, a draft prospect, uh, you know, come in with a lot of promise and, you know, underperform. Um, looking at you, Ty-Ty Washington. But, um, you know, going into it, like, I guess, you know, if we're keeping with this question, um, my top three, I, I literally changed it right before the tournament. Um, I had been chat, like, very – like, I, I think at the beginning of the U.S. Palo. Then Jabari was hot, and, you know, I went to Jabari because, you know, just his shooting, like, really intrigued me in his defense. And then I went Chet because I was thinking ceiling, and I switched to Jabari right before the tournament. And so I before the tournament, it was Jabari, Chet, Palo for me. And honestly, <laughs> it's tough, man. Like, I, I think I think it's still the same for me. 
And, you know, I get everything you guys are saying about Jabari Smith Jr., but there's a couple of things I don't think a lot of people take into consideration when you're talking about Jabari. Like, if you watch Auburn games, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, the guards at Auburn, they they just weren't good. <laughs> they, they they were guards that thought that they should have the balls in their the ball in their hands whenever the game was on the line. They forgot they had one of the best players in the nation, one of the best shot creators in the nation on their team, and you know it, it, it was just their time. Like and, and you know when I think about Jabari Smith Jr. Um, yeah, I, somebody, uh, tweeted and said, you know, which prospect would you prefer top three and then tab me in it. And the way I laid it out was this Jabari Smith Jr. Is my favorite, but he's the best fit for this team. I think he's the most seamless fit on offense and defense and his perimeter defensive ability, the ability to guard one through four, potentially some fives, uh, to stretch the floor and, you know, space the floor for Shea and Giddy. Um, and also like, you know, He's very athletic, as we saw in the first round with his poster dunk. Like, you know, he could still be a lob threat. So, I think he's the best fit. Chet, I think, has the best ceiling. If everything comes together for that guy, like, he could be a generational-type prospect. Uh, Paolo, I think that he's the best immediate return in terms, like, if you draft him, like, he could legitimately be a 20-10 and 10 guy and win rookie of the year right off the bat just because, like, his body's going to be ready and his skill set's going to be ready. And Jaden Ivey, I think, is kind of the best of the rest. Like, I like Jaden Ivey. He's super exciting. But I would still take any of those three over them and not not even not even think about it when it comes to Jaden Ivey. But in terms of Jabari Smith, like, you know, like I was talking about, like, with this fit, you know, if you take away Katie Johnson and Wendell Green, you give them Shea Gildas Alexander, Josh Giddy, and you have the gravity of Shea driving to the – to the basket you have the gravity of josh giddy and his playmaking and you have those guys you know making plays for you creating plays for you off the pick and roll off the pick and pop um in the corner on the short roll like all these things like i, I think jabari can be a phenomenal scorer in this league and even if it doesn't happen from day one because another thing a lot of people don't realize is he's 18 years old like he's almost a full year younger than chet holmgren is like he's like I, I'm pretty sure like far and away the youngest player in the draft. He's got so much more room to grow, and you know we talk about guys filling out, and you know we you know we talk about with Chet and we talk about with Jabari. The difference is Jabari's got a really broad frame. Like he's got really broad shoulders, so like you could realistically seeing you know that body fill out. And you know I'm not saying like he's gonna be Giannis or anything like that, but you know something like that. Like Giannis had really broad shoulders, so you can project him kind of filling out the way he, he that he has. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like, and the thing with Chet, like, yeah, he was awesome. Like his stat sheet against uh, the Georgia State game in the first round, crazy. Like, what was it? He's like 2017, seven blocks, two steals, two assists, like stuffed the stat sheet, you know, showed up when it mattered. Um. And his matchup in Jalen Duran, you know, he got the best of him early on with that fadeaway, uh, blocking Duran early on. But he he just kind of faded out of the game for me. Like, I think he finished with nine points and nine rebounds. And as many flashes as we've seen from him, if you, like, go back and look at his stat sheet, in all the big games and all, like, the power five teams, like the top 25 ranked teams, his stats aren't that great. Like he's putting up like six, eight points, like six rebounds. Yeah, he's 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 getting some blocks. Like you know, he's he's a seven footer with like a seven six wingspan or something like that. He's gonna get blocks, but like he's not putting his stamp on the game like a guy that you know. If we got number one pick, like a number one pick should in my eyes. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've just got I. That's always kind of bothered me with Chet. And, you know, they're still in the tournament. He can easily change my mind. Uh, I think they're playing Arkansas this week. So, Jalen Williams is going to be a fun matchup for that. And, you know, we could see them going a long run. So, like, he could quell all those concerns that I have. But, I don't know, it's just been something kind of in the back of my mind. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still like him. I'd still love to have him on the team. But, yeah, that's that's my two cents as I've rambled on and on. What what do you guys got to say about uh, 
tell me I'm wrong, Matty Moles. <laughs> I just I got a question because you mentioned this guy uh, that just played against Chet. Uh, so Duran is a guy that a lot of people have tied to OKC just because of positional need mm. and the fit and potentially how high he can get. So with tonight's loss holding us at four, uh, lottery odds, we could fall to eighth. We have a 2.2% chance right now as it stands to get the eighth pick. Um, as, as tough as that is to swallow. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. <laughs> nope, me neither. But um, that's prime Duran territory, potentially. So how high up are you willing to take him? Or is that way too high? And you're like, well, maybe with the Clippers pick type of situation. What are, what are you seeing? How high up would you be comfortable with taking him? I mean, uh, Colin, I'm going to kick it to you, man. I, I just talked for like 10 minutes straight. You, you go ahead and I'll jump in. Um, I mean, I think, I think Duran, like, say like worst case scenario happens, we fall to like eight or something like that. I think that's a good spot for Duran. Um, if we're going to go with him around there, like, like a seven or an eight, um, center athletic gives us the lob threat that I think would be huge for Gideon, uh, Shea. He can shoot middies too. nothing too crazy. I think he shot like 35, 36 ish percent from mid range, which is right around what Bam Adebayo shoots right now in the NBA. Of course it's diff- more difficult in the NBA. Um, but I couldn't see Duran as like a Bam Adebayo type of player where, I think he's like really athletic. I think he's a better passer than people give him credit for too. Uh, he had a pass specifically in the Gonzaga game that was kind of like, it was almost like Shea-esque. It was like this like quick like pocket pass while a guy was cutting that was like right on the money. Um, so I think I think Durant could be a great fit. I'd be perfectly cool with picking him around like seven or eight-ish um, depending on like if we fell or something like that or somehow the Clippers pick um, – jumps up and we fall like whatever like i i'm not sure he'll be there after like 10 i think during goes within that like top 10 yeah i i think i agree in terms of like eight i think eight's like about as high as i would take him because i mean you know his his body his size like you know like (laughs) there's not that in the draft like in, in terms of like you know the rest of the draftees um, but there are other big men that intrigue me, like a Mark Williams, like a Walker Kessler, uh, to a lesser degree, Tari Eason. You know, I love Tari Eason, but, you know, he's not as big as those guys. So there, there is a little bit of depth in the draft in terms of, like, the big, uh, the big men there. But, you know, Jalen Duran's also really young. He also has a lot of room to grow, and he has um, – he's been in a situation that I don't think has been – the most productive for him at Memphis, specifically when Imani Bates was kind of running the show at point guard, Um, you know, not being able to play with a true point guard all season. um, I think that playing with Gideon Shea could really help his game. So uh, I wouldn't be mad about it if we drafted him at eight, but I also would understand if they wanted to go with like a wing or a guard or more so a wing instead um, just because, like I said, the depth of that position uh, later in the draft. Uh, what about you, Moles? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, trust the Presti, right? So whatever yeah. what he would decide there for sure. Actually, uh, trust especially, the Presti this year. <laughs> well, right. Um, and actually, it looks like Boku is starting to come on a little bit, too. So maybe he still has a role for us moving forward we didn't think so earlier in the year but now it's he's he's playing a little better so like johnny davis i think like his scoring ability would be great you know keegan murray kind of in that territory Mm -hmm. uh we we still think uh sharps coming back to kentucky it's a little bit murkier a little bit murkier right now but you know we'll, we'll see you know the 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 plan still right now is for him to return but we'll see so, I mean, there are a lot of guys in that rate, that, that range that I can see. Okay. You know, you're going for best player available, mm-hmm. but Duran certainly offers us something that we don't have on the roster and, and that athletic ability and, and that pick and roll, uh, the, the pick and roll possibilities. And 
with his size, just him him setting screens in the perimeter in general just gives you a little something extra that maybe like setting a screen with Poku just doesn't quite give you. So um, I, I, I think that would be fun to have that type of a player. We haven't really had that kind of a, a, a rim runner per se, I'm guess Steven Adams to some degree, but even him, like his game's a lot different than, than Durant. So um, I don't know. I think eight, you could do a lot worse than a guy that is just a, a very solid rotation uh rotational slash starter for you mm-hmm. and can multiply a lot of other things you do on the floor. So I wouldn't hate it at eight. I understand it at eight. I really think that's about like his, his best case scenario with some of the other guys in this draft and some of the other scores. I think that other teams will probably just swing higher than that at like, say pick five, pick six. Um, but eight, I think that's a pretty solid place for him. Yep. And, uh, you know, that last guy that, you know, we, we've kind of just thrown the bat burner there, uh, Paolo Bancaro. Like, he's quietly been having a really good postseason. Um, and he's showing a lot of flashes, not just as a scorer, because, you know, we've, we've known, we've been known that this dude can score. But he's shown a lot of flashes um, with his playmaking ability. Um, and, you know, it, I, I'm kind of intrigued by him and his fit with Giddy and Shea because, you know, um, as I've talked about, like I've wrote about it a couple of times about how, you know, Pressy's um, focus in the draft has shifted away from like length and athleticism and focused more on like skill and basketball IQ, you know, guys that can dribble, pass and shoot. And, you know, Paolo, I mean, really all three of the guys at the top, like, you know, with Paolo, you know, kind of turning on here at the end, like they really have potential to be, you know, high IQ guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. And at least with Jabari and Chet's case, you know, they can defend. And, you know, I'm not saying Paolo won't be able to defend at the NBA level, um, you know, after he gets a couple years of uh, experience under his belt. But, uh, like I said, his his fit offensively next to Shea and Giddy, you know, maybe running some actions like Memphis does with Steven Adams, um, you know, looking for backdoor cutters. Um, yeah, OKC okay, so did that a little bit there towards the end of his tenure, but, you know, I, it, it does intrigue me, um, you know, especially where we talk about uh, Shea playing more off ball. That's just another way for him to, you know, generate easy buckets off ball when you have a big man that can, you know, um, feed you the ball off cuts. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my last two cents on Palo. Anybody got anything else to say about Palo before we shut this thing down? Not Paolo's great. I think he'd be really fun here. Um, he was the projected number one for a while for a reason. Yep. Bro, do you remember when the the Thunder was doing uh, jersey wallpapers, like custom jersey wallpapers, and it was like, just put, give us your name and your number, and we'll make you a jersey wallpaper. Yeah. Somebody, somebody put Ben Care. <laughs> and they did it. <laughs> they didn't even realize it until everybody started tweeting about it. Uh, yeah, and when, after we lost by uh 73 points, there was that Twitter uh trend that was talking about like yeah. it was like th- yeah, thunder was trending, and it's like the thunder trending after losing by 73 points without star players Shaco Alexander, Josh Giddy, and um Paolo Bancaro was listed on there because Twitter thought we had him because everyone was talking about it. Man. So maybe it, it might just be destiny at this it, point. It's meant to be, man. It's meant to be. If it happens, we have those screenshots to tweet out on draft day. So, Cohen, I'm sure you'll be ready for that. Get a get a couple two hundred thousand liker. I'm ready. I like it. I need I need a comb banger in my life. So, uh, guys, I I think that's it, man. Uh, you know, we covered covered a lot, and like I said, the season's winding down. So, uh, you know, keep it here, man, because you know once draft season comes around, like. I've been talking to Corey, Keandre, uh, Nate, Nathan Grubel, and I've been, you know, kind of keeping my eye out for some other draft analysts as well. Like, we're going to have all kinds of draft coverage, um, you know, once the season ends, um, and especially even more once we figure out what our draft position is after the lottery. If, like, we're like we're going to be up to our ears in draft coverage. So, just, just buckle in. It's going to be a good time. Hey, real quick, uh, for everyone that likes to kill – hoop intellect for that graphic about giddy um he was one of the the 
few people I heard really banging the, the Trey Mann drum from the jump. And he was thrilled for that pick for us. So like, don't, when he comes on, like, don't, don't, uh, don't attack that dude's mentions. He, he does, he does know a thing or two. Um, the giddy thing was tough. What a tough scene though, for sure. It was just poor wording. I don't think he was saying he doesn't know how to play basketball. It was just poor wording. And he even said that he was going to, he was going to change some things this year. And I, you know, watching a couple of his videos, he has. So, yeah, give Keandre a break, guys. He's he's just a kid. He's learning, but he knows the stuff. So, uh, with that being said, man, you know, appreciate you guys for listening. Y'all are awesome. Appreciate love and support. Um, I I do want to say before uh, you know, before we end the pod, uh, Nova came home last night. Uh, we're hoping this sticks this time after four or five pick you trips in the last two months. Um, but you know, he's, he's home. He's been happy. He's been good. His numbers are good. So hopefully that sticks, but yeah, once, once again, appreciate all the love and support from everybody on Twitter. Um, and on a lesser degree, uh, you know, I, I've been saying that, you know, while Nova's in the hospital, I just can't generate the hype that I need for a game day tweet. So, Hey, Saturday game day tweets back, baby. Uh, as, as, long as, as long as, as long as Nova doesn't make it to the pick you again. Yeah. Game day tweets are back, baby. So. Get ready for it. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Moles, Cone, and Alex, I want to thank you guys for coming on the pod. Always good to talk to you all. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys have a great night. God bless. Uh, wear a mask where you need to. Vaccinate if you have not. Hoop when you can, just like Cone did before the pod. And, as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder up. Cone, we talked about this. I need more enthusiasm. Thunder up. All right, that's better. It's a little bit better. We'll, we'll work on it. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.